like that. Hello, everybody, and welcome that. back like to this Monday so edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I know it's been it's been a little bit. It has been a little bit since the last time we recorded an episode, and I do apologize for that. We're gonna try and get back on the saddle this week. We had a really semi not really, but we had a semi busy week last week. But again, we're gonna get back on the saddle here. We're doing well. We're doing good, and we are watching football, and we are ready to have another episode of the Logan Blackman Show again for the first time in a while. Now, before we get into today's episodes, make sure we go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. Show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also go to theloganblackmanshow.com and check out our latest blog posts. And you can check out videos there as well, as well as the latest three episodes of The Logan Blackman Show, as well as links to all those different forms of social media we mentioned before. And, of course, the most important thing, make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcast and or Spotify accounts. If you're listening right now, the only way you know what I'm saying is if you're listening to the show and if you clicked on this through a social media link, you're not sure if you are subscribed, just make sure. Just go double check. Just go double check, make sure you're subscribed, and then leave a rating on five stars. It doesn't need to be a five-star rating. If you don't feel the show is up to that standard, then you don't need to leave a five-star rating. I'm not controlling you. I don't need you to listen to everything I say. You don't need to agree with everything I say. If you feel like the show is not up to standard, you can leave or whatever rating you want. Just leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Now, I'm in an interesting spot right now because this was going to be something we were going to talk about later in the show, and I wasn't really expecting to talk about this this early going into today, because right now I am sitting here watching the San Francisco 49ers versus the Cleveland Browns. There's 45 seconds left in this game. It is third. Well, they just picked up a first down. Jennings just picked up a, Brock Purdy just hit Jennings in the flat, picked up a first down on third and two. Browns are winning 19 to 17. And it looks like very much so that the 49ers are probably going to come out, come out on top of this game with a Jake Moody field goal, which would be super sick for my fantasy team. But this is not something I was expecting whatsoever going into this week. Like, if you watched the 49ers up to this point in the season, you thought they were unbeatable. At least I did. I sure as hell thought the San Francisco 49ers were undefeated, especially after what they did last week, the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not saying the Dallas Cowboys are the greatest team of all time, and for the most part, the 49ers haven't played necessarily the toughest schedule, but they have absolutely blasted pretty much every team they have played. You beat the Steelers 30-7 week one. You dismantled the Giants 30-12. You beat up on the Cardinals in a weird game, but you still came out 35-16 victors. And you beat the Cowboys last week. You beat them is putting it nicely. Absolutely destroyed the Dallas Cowboys. Put Sam Darnold in with basically 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter as he won 42-10. So going into this week against Cleveland, who though has a very good defense, they're going into this game with P.J. Walker as the starting quarterback. Dorian Thompson-Robinson started last week, the rookie from UCLA. Didn't have his greatest game. P.J. Walker, you know, from XFL fame and all that stuff, was scheduled to start this game, and he did, and he played like, you know, we'd expect P.J. Walker to play against the San Francisco 49ers defense, but for the 49, or for the Cleveland Browns, sorry, who again, have a very, very solid defense, I didn't think they were going to be able to do anything to the 49ers. I thought the 49ers were just too good of a team. They had everything clicking for them. They have the best group of weapons in the entire NFL. Christian McCaffrey has scored in 15 straight games, including today. You have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. Like, they have all the pieces there to beat the Cleveland Browns. And you have Brock Purdy playing really, really well right now. And before we get into anything else, we're going to talk about Brock Purdy. The 49ers are attempting a 41-yard field goal right now. Third and seven. The Browns have one timeout. It's a pretty straight-on field goal right now for Jake Moody. Do the Browns call the timeout? They do, and they smartly, this, this gets a little lost at times when talking about icing the kicker. You've got to call it before they get the field goal attempt off. 
like before they get the ball snapped because they're going to take that practice kick. That gives them a little bit of an advantage because then they can, it's like a range finder, I guess. If they go wide, they know what to correct. If they go short, they know what to like. They're they know what to correct. Now, if they make it, then that just gives them all the confidence in the world. So you got to make sure you call it right before they like get lined up. Like it's got to be immediate. Because I know a lot of people want to go. Oh, let's make them think about it a little longer. You'll make them think about it long, but just don't give them that opportunity to even take that chance to take that practice kick. Don't even let that happen. So good job by Kevin Stefanski and Cohen getting the timeout in. And now the 49ers are lining up again. Again, third and seven. Pretty much straight on field goal. 41 yards away. Jake Moody, the rookie from Michigan. Third round draft pick. Pretty crazy. But we'll see if he makes this. There's the snap. The hold's good. The kick is up. And it is no good. He missed it. He missed the kick. Oh, my God. The 49ers just lost to the Cleveland Browns. The 49ers just lost to the Cleveland Browns, who are quarterbacked again by P.J. Walker. The 49ers, who we thought, again, this is myself included. This isn't me going like, oh, you guys thought this. No, I thought they were unbeatable. My dad and I were texting after the Cowboys game last week. I'll try to find the exact text message from my dad and I about the 49ers last week. Because it was last Sunday, it was Sunday Night Football, so a whole America, all of America was watching. All of America was watching. Where is this? Where is this? I searched 49ers and it popped up. And he, my, speaking of that, my dad just texted me and said, holy crap, the Browns just beat the Niners. <laughs> that is not, this is not how today was supposed to go. This is, we were going to talk about the 49ers today regardless, but this is just like added a whole new element to the, to the game. Where is this text? Where, where were we talking about this? Monday, Monday, Sunday. Okay, there we go. Who's beating them this year? I said Purdy and Kittle combo is lethal tonight. This is when Kittle had three touchdowns on three catches. I, well, I think he, did he end up with three catches? I know he had three touchdowns on just three catches early on. Trent Williams almost threw his helmet. He, he had a little bit of self-restraint there, but I text Purdy and Kittle combo is lethal tonight. He said, absolutely unreal. Who's beating them this year? There's literally an absolute, they're literally an absolute complete team. I said, I do, they do look unstoppable. Next week, the very next week, the Cleveland Browns. Again, the Cleveland freaking Browns. Like, if anybody was going to beat this Niners team, I was not expecting it to be the Cleveland Browns. Like, the Dallas Cowboys are right there. The Cleveland Browns. Again, a P.J. Walker-led Cleveland Browns. Apart from being in the XFL, P.J. Walker has not been that great in the NFL, and he wasn't great in this game either. One of their last drives of the game, he missed Elijah Moore on, like, more than two or three occasions where he was pretty much wide open. Oh, my God. 49ers, first loss in the last 16 regular season games, snaps longest winning streak in team history. You got Trent Williams with Miles Garrett talking at the end of the game. Miles Garrett threw Trent Williams in one of these plays earlier in the game. But wow, the Browns, the Cleveland freaking Browns, without Nick Chubb, without Deshaun Watson, arguably their two best offensive players. Well, we know Nick Chubb is, but Deshaun Watson's also in there. Brock Purdy and P.J. Walker shaking hands after an NFL game. I... I never thought I'd see that. And then not only that, I never thought P.J. Walker would be the one consoling Brock Purdy after the game, given how we've seen Brock Purdy and the 49ers play since they've been together, since he got drafted, Mister, you know, the last pick of the, the draft a couple years, last year, I almost said a couple years ago, last year. But what a weird game. What a weird, weird-ass game. And this was like, again, the Browns defense. We know the Browns defense is good. We knew that. They had one of the best pass defense, not the best pass defense in the entire NFL this year. You saw what they did to the Cincinnati Bengals week one. They allowed three points in that game. Three points in that game. I know the Bengals were coming into the season. Joe Burrow hadn't played all preseason. Obviously had the calf injury and all that stuff, but still played really well that game. And then again, I, 
just the the 49ers, the Purdy Niners, the San Brocktober of all of all months, the San Francisco Purdy, Purdy Niners lose in Brocktober to the Cleveland Browns. That is insane. That's absolutely insane. And there's actually it actually works out like what we were going to tie. It was trying to figure out how we were going to you know schedule things up, how we were going to teeter everything on how we were actually going to schedule the show out. And with that game going on right now, and I had to make sure I talked about it a little bit while it was going on, because I wanted to sit back and watch it for a little bit, but I was like, you know what? This last drive of the game, it's going to be a very important time in the game. We'll see if the 49ers can pull it off, or if the Browns will be able to stop them, because they did stop the 49ers in the drive before the Browns took their eventual game-winning field goal. Like, the 49ers ran four plays. All of them stopped the clock. Every single one of the plays stopped the clock, which is, like, the worst way you can do a drive trying to close out a game. Like, Purdy got sacked, and he got intentional grounding to boot with that. Then he threw to Brandon Ayuk, who ran out of bounds, and the next play was an incomplete pass. So you had three straight plays that stopped the clock, and they punted away on 4th and 11. (laughs) That is not how you want to do a drive there. It's just weird play calling, and Jerome Ford led the Cleveland Browns pretty much all the way down the field, and P.J. Walker tried to give the ball away. He tried to force it between, like, four 49ers defenders, and I was shocked that he ended up with an interception, but good lord. What an insane, insane game. Now i got to switch broadcast. I was watching the Bears-Vikings game earlier. We saw Tyson Bajent play. And I, I, I don't know if I've said this on the show before, but I do appreciate the Bears waiting until after I was back from Kansas City to bench Peterman or move him all the way to third string. I do very much appreciate that because though he didn't play in the game against the, Cincinnati, or against the Kansas City Chiefs when we were there, at least I had the opportunity to, like, there was a chance he could play. Though maybe a very small chance, but, you know, there's a chance nonetheless he could play and probably should have played given Justin Fields getting his head hit and not being really all there as the game progressed. But, hey, I just appreciate that for the Bears. I do really much appreciate that. Tyson Bajan threw a game-sealing interception at the end of the game, but that's neither here nor there at this point. We'll talk about the rest of the NFL this week coming up in a little bit. We'll talk about the Chiefs game on Thursday night against the Broncos. We'll do all that stuff in a little bit. we got to start with the 49ers now. This is something that I wanted to talk about anyways, but now that they've lost for the first time this season, it always comes like right after you think a team's on. But like we talked about this a couple weeks ago with the Bills. Remember last year when they dominated the Rams week one? They dominated the Titans week two. They go into week three, like before the game, my dad and I are sitting there like, man, what? when does this team lose? You don't want to think like that, but it creeps in your head. Like they just dominated the reigning number one seed in the AFC and the reigning Super Bowl champs. When is this team losing? One of those games on the road. Banner raising night. I know it's an emotional night or everything, but good Lord, they absolutely embarrassed them. So I was like, they're never going to lose. Next week, they lost the Dolphins. This year, we have the 49ers absolutely piss-pounding, dog-walking the Dallas Cowboys last week on Sunday Night Football in front of America, and then now we get the 49ers losing the Cleveland Browns. The Dolphins game was a little bit more, you know, maybe not the way the loss I would have liked it to be, but <laughs> I could have accepted that because the Dolphins, again, you had Tyreek Hill and all those guys there. Bills had... Everybody hurt in the secondary. We've talked about that before. Obviously, the heat stroke and stuff like that, but good Lord. It always happens when you least expect it. Losses like this always happen when you least expect it, and it's just it's just weird. Like, they flashed Purdy's stats, like, towards the end of the game in his second-half stats. I, it was either before their second-to-last drive or their last drive. I think either way, the stats are fairly similar. Going into that drive, whichever one it was, he was one of five with one yard passing. One singular yard passing. And earlier today, this is the first time I'd seen this this year. I've seen him in the conversations. I've seen him in the conversations for this, but I've never actually seen him be the favorite for the MVP until today. And I don't know if we've talked about this before. 
I don't know if I've talked about it with Brady, but I know I've talked with him off the air, like at his house where you're watching the Giants 49ers game. We've talked about it then, and you're sitting there like he's the number now sitting there the number one seed for the MVP race. I don't remember like plus three fifty odds or something like that, plus three hundred odds. And if you're being object like I don't know what you want to call it. If you're being um if you're taking the fandom out of it, I guess. Like, Iowa State fans, people from the state of Iowa, everybody from Iowa wants to see everybody from Iowa do well. Especially someone like Brock Purdy, who never did anything to Iowa. So if you're an Iowa fan, you really have no reason to dislike Brock Purdy, especially when he's connected with George Kilver a bunch of touchdowns last week. But objectively speaking, if you're looking at the 49ers offense, he's not even, what, he's probably the sixth best player on that offense? Maybe? Because unanimously, in no particular order, I guess you should say, McCaffrey, again, who has scored in 15 straight games, franchise record and all that, broke Jerry Rice's record. Last week, he broke it, and he's adding on to that record this week. And then you got George Kittle. You've got Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. You've got uh, freaking Trent Williams, one of the best, if not the best, left tackle in the NFL. Like, those are five players right there that are bona fide stars in the NFL. Maybe not Ayuk, but Ayuk's definitely on his way up there. And you can make an argument that Ayuk has kind of passed Debo Samuel in regards to being their number one wide receiver. He's definitely become Purdy's favorite target. Jeez. <laughs> definitely become Purdy's favorite target. Like, you look at the targets, and it's not even just from today. But you look at some of the rest of the games this season when he's played, he got targeted ten times. The next closest person was Jennings with four. Like, Brandon Ayuk might very low-key may be the 49ers' number one wide receiver, if you're not including tight ends. Because I know, like, for the Kansas City Chiefs, like, Travis Kelsey is Patrick Mahomes' number one wide receiver. I know he's not a wide receiver, but he lines up like a wide receiver, runs routes, he's he's always going to get the ball, regardless. So if you want to look at it like that, but still, that's five players on the offensive, just the offensive side of the ball alone. We're not even looking at the defensive side of the ball. Where you got likes of Nick Bosa and Fred Warner, Charvarius Charvay, Ward, jeez, Dre Greenlaw, Eric Armstead, like all these different guys, Hufanga. We're, we've got a bunch of different people we could look at. Javon Hargrave. Like, I respect the hell for what Brock Purdy is doing. Because given what he did at Iowa State, he again, he holds every single Iowa State passing record. I have nothing to say really that negatively about Brock Purdy's time at Iowa State, apart from that at times he would try to do too much. Like, there, he threw some of the weirdest turn or interceptions, weirdest fumbles I've ever seen in my life. Because when you're the best player on the team, regardless, you could argue Brees Hall in there as well. But when you're the go-to guy at the team, you're trying to do everything to get your team an advantage. So playing hero ball, it can kind of lead you to negative things. We'll talk about a quarterback who did a little bit of hero ball this week, but that will come a little bit later in the show. But that can get you into trouble. It rarely works. Hero ball is something that doesn't really work out that well. Like, sometimes you just got to take what the defense gives you. Sometimes you just got to dump it off to the playmakers. And so far in San Francisco, that's what Brock Purdy's done. He has done exactly what Kyle Shannon has asked him to do. And that is dump it off to the playmakers and let the playmakers make plays. That's their job as playmakers, to make freaking plays. And he's doing that to a very high degree. But to sit there and say Brock Purdy is the MVP favorite in the NFL is kind of crazy. At this point, like, we've made the comparison before between the MVP and the Cy Young Award in baseball. Like, there is an MVP award in baseball, but the Cy Young Award is strictly for pitchers. The MVP award in the NFL is becoming strictly a quarterback award. 
Like, there's no reason that out of all the players in the 49ers that Brock Purdy is the guy that's leading the charge for that MVP race. I know he's the quarterback. I know the quarterback's the most important position on the field. And this is to me, again, hating on Brock Purdy. Again, I respect everything Brock Purdy has done. I'm rooting for Brock Purdy a lot. Being in Iowa and watching him play at Iowa State, never beating Iowa, I have no issue with Brock Purdy whatsoever. But I do have a little bit of an issue going like, man, McCaffrey is far and away, or at least he was, I haven't checked today, but he was far and away leading the NFL in rushing yards. He has scored in 15 straight games. That, I know that dates back to last year, but still, he's scored in every game up to this point in the season. That's six straight games this season alone. Like, if you're going the MVP of the 49ers right now, it's clearly Christian McCaffrey. But Christian McCaffrey's not even, at least the last time I checked, again, I could be wrong about this, but Christian McCaffrey wasn't even in the top five MVP voting. Like, he wasn't even in the top five favorites. And I would say Chris McCaffrey is the best player on the 49ers. I don't know if you go looking on the defense side of the ball, you might think something different. Maybe Warner or Bosa are up there too. But Chris McCaffrey is insane. Like I always tried to remind people about Chris McCaffrey because he battled so many injuries in Carolina because how much he was used. But that dude's a thousand thousand player. Do you know how many thousand thousand players there have been in NFL history? Not a lot. Not a lot. Okay? So Chris McCaffrey doing what he did in Carolina for a bad Carolina team is very damn impressive. And when he got injured, everybody kind of forgot who he was. We've held firm on the fact that he's the best running back in the NFL. We have never swayed from that fact, even when he battled a bunch of injuries. We always said, well, when he's healthy, he's the best running back in the NFL. And he's proving that. So if we're going MVP of the league, it might be Christian McCaffrey. If we're being 100% honest, I just know it's not It's not Brock Purdy. I know that. And Brock Purdy, again, the, four, the Cleveland Browns have a very good defense. So I don't want to fault him for like playing bad against a good defense like the Cleveland Browns are not a good football team their defense is very good very good defensively and Brock Purdy didn't have the greatest game of all time 12 of 27 125 yards one touchdown one pick and again in the second the fourth quarter at the time when they it was the second to last or last drive of the game he had five one yard passing and obviously I don't know what he finished with that drive because he had a few completions that went for big yards to Brandon Ayuk after that which helped me out in fantasy I appreciate that Brock but I don't know I, I I like the that Brock Purdy's getting attention because it's deserved because he's playing well. But let's pump the brakes on how good Brock Purdy actually is. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. I think he's doing well in the situation that he's in, but if you were to put him on a bad team, would he be able to do this same thing? Would he be able to elevate players around him? That's the big question right now. And we're still early into his career. I'm not saying he can't develop into that, but at this point in time, we're in year two. I can't sit here and say he's elevating these players because McCaffrey, Kittle, uh, Debo, Ayuk was a first-round draft pick. Like, these are players that had skin in the game before Purdy even got there. Like, they're not some bum players that Purdy's elevating. And I know a lot of people have... some. I shouldn't say a lot. Some people have been comparing him to Tom Brady. Like, I saw a clip from Shannon Sharp from a year ago on uh, on Undisputed, because now he's on first take. But on Undisputed, he was like, I haven't seen anything like this since Tom Brady. I want to see Brock Purdy work with the likes of Kembrell Thompson and Aaron Dobson. I understand Aaron Gron- uh, Rob Gronkowski was there, but I want to see him work with players like that. Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, like those kind of guys, like LeGarrette Blunt, like these kind of guys. No no Chris McCaffrey, no Debo, no Ayuk, no Kittle. I want to see him with some bad receivers or players that didn't come in and be stars right away. Like all these guys that he's playing with are bona fide stars in the NFL. They were not raised by Brock Purdy becoming the quarterback. Like, I think he is better than Jimmy Garoppolo for the system, but I don't want to act and sit here like Brock Purdy is up there with the likes of the Mahomes and Allens of the NFL. 
At least not yet. Again, we're in year two. I don't want to write this off like he's an ass quarter. He's definitely not an ass quarter. He's a good quarterback. But how good is the problem that I see a lot of people having on social media? Like, if we were going through the entire NFL, how many quarterbacks would you take above Brock? Or how many, how, which quarterbacks would you take Brock Purdy over in the NFL? I saw Colin Coward do this. I didn't watch it on his show. And I don't know what quarterbacks he'd pick, but I saw a clip on Twitter and I screenshotted it because I was like, I don't want to go to the clip. I don't want to see what he gets to like sway my opinions about it. And I'm just going to say for their team, like if we look at Brock Purdy and compare him to, I don't know, just some, some other quarter. Okay. A quarterback that's not on a good team. If I think they would be better on the 49ers, that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. It's just on how good they are right now. So like the weird one with this is Mac Jones. That's the weird one for me because I did see Rex Ryan talk about that on ESPN. Mac Jones would be better for the 49ers than Purdy. And objectively speaking, Mac Jones has more tools in the toolbox. And it's not a lot. Mac Jones is not a really physically gifted quarterback. Neither is Brock Purdy. So it's, it's not like we're saying that Mac Jones is this insanely better quarterback, but I do think he's got more in the toolbox than Purdy does. And this is why he Shanahan, when I say he wanted Mac Jones in the 2021 draft, John Lynch wanted Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan wanted freaking Mac Jones. They originally tried to trade up to get Zach Wilson. I don't know if you guys remember that. They made the trade at BYU's Pro Day. <laughs> like, they were trying to get Zach Wilson originally, but then once word got out that the Jets were taking him, they were like, switch their attention to Mac Jones. That was the that was the common trend up until that point was that they were taking Mac Jones. But it was everybody else wanted Trey Lance. It was just convincing Kyle Shanahan. Now Kyle Shanahan's got his guy. And Brock Purdy, he's a guy that will dish the ball off to the playmakers. He'll make plays for the playmakers. He's not going to do anything special. He's not going to necessarily elevate, but that's not what Kyle Shanahan wants or needs. He doesn't need a guy like that. He needs a guy to do his job and not turn the ball over. And you will be successful in the NFL if you do that in Kyle Shanahan's system. Trey Lance could have elevated that if given the right opportunities, but he didn't seize it, and he got hurt. Shit happens. You can lose your job, whether it's fair or not, you can lose your job in the NFL for injuries like that. Some of the best quarterbacks in NFL history have gotten their jobs because of injuries. Brett Favre, I don't know if people remember this, when he got to Green Bay, eventually he was going to be the starter there, obviously, because they traded for him from Atlanta. But their starter, I think it was Magic Mike, he got tra- He got hurt. Brett Favre came in and never gave the job back. Tom Brady got his start because Mo Lewis almost killed Drew Bledsoe. Like, there's players that ha- it happens all the time. Kirk Cousins got his, and we're just going back to a Kyle Shanahan guy, and Kirk Cousins, or Mike Shanahan. Either way, Kyle Shanahan was there too. But Kirk Cousins got his start because RG3 got hurt. RG3 was the M- the NFL rookie of the year. He led the commander or the Redskins at the time to the playoffs. Electrifying player, got a shit ton of injuries. Kirk Cousins took his job and ran with it. And Kirk Cousins is still starting the NFL. Just got a win today against the Bears. As you know, you should, but Kirk Cousins had a very solid career, thanks to injury. Now Justin Herbert would have been the starter eventually in LA, but it was accelerated by Tyra Taylor getting his lungs punctured. Who knows when Justin Herbert wouldn't have gotten the field because Anthony Lynn wanted to stick with Tyrod for as long as possible. Anthony Lynn had Tyrod in Buffalo. like He wanted to keep him in as long as humanly possible and then just so happened fate had other plans and Tyrod Taylor got his lungs punctured by the doctor. <laughs> like it happens all the time in the NFL. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm creating a pity party for Trey Lance because Trey Lance got hurt. Shit happens. You got to move on and the 49ers did. They made the right move, gave him to the Cowboys and you know what? Trey Lance didn't help the Cowboys as much as they thought they would because the 49ers trounced them 42-10. But we're looking around the NFL, and if you're going like 
team by team, division by division, all that stuff, who would you take over Brock Purdy? And I'll ask the question, and you can answer this to yourself as well. I'm going to give my opinion, but you can obviously answer this to yourself. You're not you're not obligated to agree with me on every single take here. Let's take a quick sip of the Pepsi Max or Pepsi Zero. Pepsi Max is so much cooler name than Pepsi Zero, but whatever. Let's take a quick swig here. Ah, nice Pepsi Max. I'll never call it Pepsi Zero. As long as it's got the black label, it'll always be Pepsi Max. I do not care. I really do not care. But should we start on the AFC or NFC? Let's go AFC because, you know, A starts is the first letter of the alphabet, so it makes sense. And we'll go north, south, east, west, you know, like we usually do on the show. So starting off the AFC North, we'll go alphabetical order here by division. <clears throat> uh, the Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Obviously, we're taking Lamar Jackson. Obviously, we're taking Lamar Jackson. Bengals, Joe Burrow. I understand he's had a little bit of a rough start to the year, but he's getting back into form. The Bengals always start slow. They always seem to start slow, and Joe Burrow obviously having the injury, which I'm tired of hearing people complain about or, like, giving excuses for Joe Burrow being asked so far this year because I didn't hear any excuse when, jo- when Josh Allen had the same injury Brock Purdy did and kept playing the rest of the year. I didn't hear no excuse for Josh Allen. I heard he's regressing. He sucks ass. Like, we were talking before the season about how Mac Jones comparing Josh Allen. Matt Jones about to get his ass pinched. <laughs> They're playing the Patriots playing the Raiders today. And next week, the Bills and Patriots play Malik Cunningham. Might be the starter against the Bills that week. Who the hell knows? Never compare Josh Allen to Matt Jones. Ridiculous stuff. Broncos, how's Russell Wilson doing? I mean, Russell Wilson, to be fair, is actually doing fine for current Russell Wilson standards, but the Broncos still suck ass. But I digress. Joe Burrow is better than Brock Purdy. We know this. The Browns, if we're going off current guys... P.J. Walker, Brock Purdy's clearly better than P.J. Walker. This ain't the XFL. P.J. Walker's, P.J. Walker's in a similar-ish tone to that of Josh Johnson. I I don't know if you guys remember who Josh Johnson is, but Josh Johnson's played like 17 teams or something like that. He might, he was on the Ravens. I don't know if he still is on the Ravens or anything, but Josh Johnson was kind of one of those quarterbacks that was kind of in football purgatory, where he's not good enough for the NFL, but he's too good for like the AAF, the XFL, and all those leagues. Like he's, he's somewhere in the middle there. And he's not even really that good to be a backup in the NFL, but, you know, he's too way too good for that. Like, P.J. Walker, I don't know if you guys remember, he torched the XFL with the Houston Roughnecks. He absolutely torched the XFL. Went up to Carolina, I think he had the longest throw of the season last year, or two years ago, however long ago it was. He had like a 67-yard throw. It was that touchdown pass to D.J. Moore when he took off his helmet and they ended up missing the extra points to the 15-yard penalty. Remember that game? I don't remember who it was against, but if we're going off P.J. Walker, if we're going off today... I understand P.J. Walker got the dub. I would not take P.J. Walker over Brett Purdy. I'm not stupid. Deshaun Watson? Like, if we're talking about peak Deshaun Watson, obviously we're taking Deshaun Watson over Brock Purdy. If we're talking peak, because peak Deshaun Watson's a top five quarterback in the NFL. And I know I can, I can hear you already. Some people out there would even say that Brock Purdy's a top five quarterback in the NFL currently. So I understand where people are coming from with that. But peak Deshaun Watson, I think, is better than Brock Purdy. But right now, Deshaun Watson, that's a different story. If we're going like right here and now, I would probably take Brock Purdy over Deshaun Watson. Right here and now. But Deshaun Watson's skill set is so much higher than Brock Purdy's. And we're just talking about on the field. Do not go off the field. We are strictly talking on the football field for Deshaun Watson and Brock Purdy. So don't even go there. But uh, yeah, I would, I would. right now, I would take Brock Purdy. Right now. Uh, Steelers, Kenny Pickett, same draft class. I think Kenny Pickett is a good quarterback in a shit-ass system. And that's always it's really funny. Like, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Iowa Hawkeyes have the exact same uniforms. Both teams despise their offensive coordinators. Canada, Ference, Brian, 
They are absolutely loathed by their teams. And we'll talk about Iowa football here in a little bit because they just had a win against Wisconsin yesterday. We had a big day here in the big two schools in the state of Iowa. One of the teams, one of the teams in the big three schools didn't have the greatest day, but we'll t- again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But like going into the draft, obviously I would have taken Kenny Pickett over him. I think Kenny Pickett's got a higher ceiling if the 40, if the Steelers can figure out their shit on offense. Najee Harris, I don't know what the hell happened to him. What what happened to Najee? Who is this guy playing running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers? That's not Najee Harris. I watched Najee Harris hurdle people at Alabama. Uh, Najee Harris couldn't hurdle an ant in the NFL. Good Lord, especially these past couple years, especially this year. Like, he looks so slow. It's so odd. I did not expect, like, this reminds me so much. I was actually talking about this last week. The situation in Pittsburgh, because they got Warren there. It kind of reminds me of the Chargers situation a few years ago when they had Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. You have this no-name guy named Austin Eckler from this tiny-ass school. Now, Warren went to Oklahoma State, but he went to a few other schools. They're not necessarily the biggest out there. And he's not anybody compared to freaking Najee Harris. Najee Harris was an animal at Alabama. Melvin Gordon was one of the best players in college football, regardless of position, when he was at Wisconsin. He broke the NCAA all-time rushing record for a single game, only to have it broke the next week. But you know what? He held the record for a little bit against Nebraska. Ran for 200 yards against Iowa. I was at that game. Like, I don't know. Was he? He was a Heisman finalist, right? He had to be. Melvin Gordon was insane at Wisconsin. Austin Eckler, no one knew who Austin Eckler was when he got to the NFL. And guess what? Not only did he beat out Melvin Gordon, he's consistently a top five fantasy draft pick. (laughs) Regardless of how you want to look at that or how much uh, importance you want to throw on that. But still, Austin Eckler's been really good. And the funny part about it is not only are Najee Harris and Melvin Gordon both first round draft picks, the guys who might be better than them at the time when they were slowly phasing out, they both were number 30. Melvin Gordon's situation happened because he tried to get a massive contract. It didn't work out. He ended up going to Denver. Najee Harris has just been, been playing bad. The O-line's not great, and Canada can't call his way out of a phone book, but you know what? They're winning somehow, so it's kind of like Iowa. The defense is just carrying them. They got T.J. Watt. They got Highsmith. They got Minka Fitzpatrick. They got Joey Porter Jr. Like, they've got a very solid defense. But if you're talking about here and now, you would take Brock Purdy over Kenny Pickett, right? Yeah. I would take, if we're talking about just purely on skill set, I would probably take Pickett. But if we're talking about who's better right now, it's Purdy. So we're 2-2 two and two right now. We're 2-2. Two and two. We're obviously taking Lamar and Joe, Deshaun and Pickett. Deshaun's a question mark. And then Pickett, currently, we would take Purdy. North-South, so we're going to AFC South. Houston Texans. C.J. Stroud didn't have the greatest game today against the New Orleans Saints, but I don't think he threw an interception again, continuing his streak there. But he got the dub again. CJ Stroud's playing great. He's playing really, really well. We'll talk about him and Bryce Young here in a little bit, but would I take Brock Purdy over CJ Stroud? I don't know. I know CJ Stroud's only a rookie, but given what CJ Stroud's done with little to no help, like you look at the Texans this offseason, there was no hope for them, really. Like they had they drafted Tank Dell, which I really liked. They draft they had Nico Brown come in. They had um or Nico Collins, sorry. Robert Woods came in. Low line though is injured to hell and back. They have no stars in the offensive line. You got a new head coach that I really, really liked in D'Amico Ryans. So, like, there's were pieces, but nothing really to say, yeah, this team's going to be actually solid this year. And not only that, maybe compete for a division title, but this division's so bad that it's not actually that surprising. Especially, But when you look at how bad they beat up on the, Houston, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars a couple weeks ago, yeah, it's kind of surprising. I would probably actually lean towards... Oh, God, that one's close. That one's very close. I like C.J. Stroud a lot. We've defended C.J. Stroud a lot on this show. 
that show actually where we talked about the that random Twitter account we found like a couple years ago when CJ Stroud's first year at Ohio State. Remember that show we did where we just went on this guy's Twitter account? He just bashed CJ Stroud every single tweet. Like that show popped up in my memories <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a week ago. It just popped up, but that one's close. And then the Colts, like Gardner Minshew, Anthony Richardson's going to potentially have season-ending injury surgery. So this Colts starter is Gardner Minshew. I would take Purdy over Minshew. Trevor Lawrence, I would take Trevor Lawrence over Purdy. Ryan Tannehill, never been a Tannehill fan. I would take Purdy over Tannehill. So we've got like a half one with Stroud, and then I'm taking Lawrence. So we have, we're taking three guys over Purdy at this point in time. And then we got three and a half, I guess, because the Stroud one. So we got North, South, East. North, South, East. Go Buffalo Bills. Robbie's taking Josh Allen. Miami Dolphins. We've compared Brock Purdy and Tua's situation a little bit. So I'll, I'm taking Tua over Purdy. Mac Jones in New England. Currently, I would take Purdy. But like Rex Ryan said, like I've said in the past, Mac Jones is the perfect guy for Shanahan, which is why he wanted him. But hey, didn't happen. And Purdy's taking advantage of that opportunity. So obviously, I would take Purdy now. But I think Mac Jones is better or would be better in San Francisco than he is right now. I think we'd look at Mac Jones a little bit differently. And Mac Jones making a Pro Bowl is just really funny, especially when you look at that picture with, like, Herbert and Mahomes and then Mac Jones. It's like that weird picture with Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and Trubisky all in a Pro Bowl, that weird-ass picture. It's kind of like that. But, yeah, Mac Jones, I think, did get a little bit hard done by being coached by Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as co-offensive coordinators. It's pretty freaking brutal. And they go in the offseason. They only bring in Juju Smith-Schuster. They basically replaced, switched out uh, Jacoby Myers for Juju Smith-Schuster, which is not an upgrade in any stretch of the imagination. The O-line is not very good. You brought in Zeke for God knows what reason. And, yeah, I think Mac Jones kind of been given a bad hand in New England, and it's going to be – It's kind. Of, I'm not complaining. it. Like, I defended Mac Jones when he was at Alabama, but now he's on the enemy. So I don't care anymore. And, hey, Patriots sucking ass, all more better, all the better. The Jets, I'm watching them right now. The Jets and Eagles are playing right now. Uh, Zach Wilson, because Aaron Rodgers is not there, obviously, I would take Purdy. So, obviously. We're 2-2 two and two in that division. We're 2-2 two and two in the North, and we're 1-2.5 in and the AFC South. The first record is, well, no, because the second one would be lost. So, we're 2-2, two 2-2, and two, two and 2-1.5. Two and two and <laughs> 2.5 and to 1.5. And the AFC South. Then we go to the AFC West. Denver, Russell Wilson over Brock Purdy. This is insane. Like, the, the the time frame of the NFL and how things change is so funny. Because when Brock Purdy was at Iowa State, I would have never in my life said I would take Russ, Brock Purdy over Russell Wilson in the NFL. And yet, here we are. Yet, here we are. Sitting here on October 15th, recording a show, watching the Jets-Eagles play. And I'm saying I would take Brock Purdy over Russell Wilson. That is insane. Russell Wilson MVP or Super Bowl guy, Super Bowl champion, not MVP. I don't even think he's received any MVP votes, however right or wrong that is. But the conversation between Russell Wilson and the Hall of Fame after his career is done is going to be a very, very, very interesting conversation because his time in Denver has sucked ass. Like he has been brutal in Denver, and I'm intrigued to see how they handled it this offseason because remember, homeboy over there at the coach, the guy they traded their first round pick for last year, Sean Payton. He's the guy who went on Colin Coward's show and said, hey, people are going to tank for Caleb Williams. We've got another Cliff Kingsbury situation here. Looking at old quotes from coaches talking about which they would tank for somebody or they would take him first overall if they had a chance. Sean Bate may very well have the chance. 
But it looks like the Bears will probably have that. But not because of the Bears, because of the freaking Panthers. But we'll talk about them in a little bit. Chiefs are obviously taking Mahomes. Raiders, Garoppolo, Purdy. I mean, that decision's already been made for us, hasn't it? <laughs> the 49ers pretty much made that decision. Uh, we're going to go Purdy and Chargers Herbert over Purdy. So we're like half and half for the AFC. We're split right down the middle. We're 8-8 eight and eight, pretty much. We could go nine and six, nine and seven with the Houston Texans pick, but that one's interesting. Uh, the C.J. Stroud thing's interesting. Purdy obviously has more skin in the game, and C.J. Stroud's only played what six games, so or five games. I don't know if they've had their bye yet or not, but I don't know. For the sake of arguments, we just we'll take Purdy over Stroud, just for the sake of argument. So we're nine and seven right now in favor of Purdy, right? Yeah, nine and seven. Moving to the NFC, NFC North, Justin Fields over Purdy. Would I take Justin Fields over Purdy? So this is where the situation gets a little tricky because no, I would take I would take Justin Fields over Purdy. Yeah, I think I would take I would I would probably take Fields over Purdy, right? Yeah, that one's close. Justin Fields has had his moments in the NFL, but Purdy's played a lot more consistently than him. So I I would pro, I would lean Justin Fields. Jared Goff, right now I would take Jared Goff. Right now, I think Jared Goff's been awesome in Detroit. Absolutely awesome. Jordan Love in Green Bay, taking Purdy. Kirk Cousins, older. This is the interesting one because Kirk Cousins is a lot older than Brock Purdy. And there has been conversations of the 49ers wanting to trade for Kirk Cousins, at least last year. We'll see how that how realistic that gets this offseason, but I, it doesn't really look great right now, given Purdy's the MVP favorite. But when I take Purdy over Cousins... I'd probably take Cousins over Purdy, right? Yeah. So we go. We only taking Purdy over Love. It looks like that might be a little harsh, but that's probably how it is. Uh, NFC South Falcons don't even need to think twice. Ritter might be the worst quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> he he very well, well may very well be the worst quarterback in the NFL. Out of all the teams in the NFL, there's only one team at this point in time that I can guarantee is taking a quarterback in the first round. That's the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know where they're picking. But they need a quarterback. They need a quarterback bad. Like, it is brutal. I don't know what Arthur Smith's trying to prove here. Like, just put in Taylor Heineke. Just put him in. It's not that It's not that deep. It hasn't worked. You put it, you went on this entire offseason talking about how much faith you have in Desmond Ritter. He stinks. And I like Desmond Ritter coming out of Cincinnati. I think he was a good quarterback. Ooh, what a catch by Conklin. Oh, he didn't catch it. Went out of bounds. He caught the ball, but he laid it out of bounds. So, it did not catch. But, I digress. Yeah, Ritter over, uh, Purdy over Ritter. Panthers. See, the rookie conversation gets a little interesting. Bryce Young. Where I take Purdy over Bryce Young. Currently, yes. But normally, I would take Bryce Young over Purdy. But off of current form, you have to take Purdy. Derek Carr, we're taking Purdy. Baker Mayfield, we're taking Purdy. I don't, I'm not a big Baker Mayfield fan. So, if it, if it wasn't for, like, if I was starting a team, that'd be interesting. The Bryce Young, that number one pick versus Mr. Relevant. I never thought we'd be having this conversation. So, <laughs> so... Like, even when Brock Purdy was at Iowa State, we talked about Bryce Young when he transferred to Alabama or committed to Bama. Like, we have talked about Bryce Young a lot on this show. I would I would wager that we have spent more time talking about Bryce Young than most every quarterback that has played in college football or the NFL since we started this show. Like, we talked about, we literally talked about Bryce Young when he's at Matter Day. Like, he was originally committed to USC. I don't know if people remember that. He decommitted and ended up enrolling in Alabama. And sit behind Matt Jones. When COVID first hit, we were talking about the whole Alabama quarterback situation. Bryce Young was going to beat out Matt Jones. 
We talked about that entire offseason that Bryce Young is more talented than Jones, but Jones didn't do anything to lose the job. It was kind of a situation like um, Georgia with Jake Fromm versus Justin Fields. Jake Fromm led the team to the national championship game. But Justin Fields is obviously a better quarterback than Jake Fromm. But Kirby Smart, he didn't need it. If, if, if Jake Fromm doesn't lose the job, you're not going to bench a guy that just went to the national championship game. Unless he loses it. If he loses it, then that's a different story. Like Kelly Bryant lost his job to Trevor Lawrence. So it was kind of one of those situations. He didn't do anything to lose it. Justin Fields transfers and the rest is history. Matt Jones didn't do anything to lose it. Became a Heisman finalist, won a national championship. So the rest is history. So and it'll be your first round draft pick because of it. But yeah, that, that division's a near sweep. The Panthers one's just interesting. I would take Purdy right now. So that one's just a sweep. We'll go with sweep there. NFC East. Starting off interesting. Dak Prescott. I'd probably take Purdy. At this point, then Dak. Remember this offseason, Dak was talking about he's not throwing a bunch of interceptions this year. He's throwing a lot of interceptions right now. At least last time I checked. Could be wrong about that. I that tweet that quote was popping up again this past weekend. Or that last weekend, I'm sorry. It's just funny how it all works out. It's funny. Where is where is he at? He's only throwing four, but he only has five touchdowns this year. <laughs> not the uh, Russell Wilson, twelve touchdowns, four picks. Oh, you don't say, Russ. You don't say. Goodness gracious. I don't agree with everybody on social media saying Dak Prescott's ass. I do not agree with that at all. Like, I saw Shady McCoy talking about Dante Whitner. So, two Bills legends talking about uh, Dak Prescott being ass. I don't necessarily agree with that. But I would take Purdy over him. Daniel Jones? This is one of those situations I think Daniel Jones would be much better in San Francisco than Purdy. I think Daniel Jones' skill set's very impressive. We've always defended Daniel Jones in this show because of the fact that He's got everything you're looking for. He's got the size. He's got the arm. He's got the athleticism. But the Giants O-line is booty cheeks, and that's putting it lightly. And right now, Daniel Jones has two touchdown passes and six interceptions. He's getting hit, like, every single play. Daniel Jones, like, Daniel Jones has been sacked 28 times. Sam Howell's the only quarterback that's been sacked more times this year. 28 times. That is insane. <laughs> That is crazy. For a team that likes to run their quarterback and have a solid running game at Dable, that is insane that he's been sacked 28 times. I think if Daniel Jones had time to throw and do anything, he could be a very solid quarterback. They could be another team that's looking for I, I shouldn't say that. Just sign him with a contract. I, I try to forget that contract exists, but I would take Purdy over Jones. Jalen, we're taking Jalen. Sam Howell, we're taking Purdy. So we're going to take Purdy three out of the four times that division. NFC West. So in the NFC, we're looking at Purdy more times than not. And that's fair, because the AFC is a very stacked conference of quarterbacks. We knew this going into the season. NFC West, Josh Dobbs. I love Josh Dobbs. The Astros, astrophysicist major from Tennessee. Love him. But, yeah, I'm taking uh, – he was my background in high school. And my iPad when he was at Tennessee was my background. So, I love myself some Josh Dobbs. We're taking Purdy. Matt Stafford, this is a weird one. Currently, I would take Purdy. Currently, I would take Purdy over Matt Stafford. But historically, obviously, you take Matt Stafford. And the Seahawks, Geno. That's an interesting one. That is a very interesting one. Geno versus Brock Purdy. A conversation I never thought I would be having in the NFL. I could say that with literally everything I talk about with Brock Purdy, but that's one of, like a crazy one. We're talking about who would you rather have as a starter between Brock Purdy and Geno Smith, who's been the back over the last 15 years. But no, he didn't write back, though. One of the coldest takes of all time after he beat the Broncos week one. But the Seahawks are a good team. I like the Seahawks. They didn't play well week one, but the last three weeks before they lost to the Bengals today, they were playing good football. Geno was playing pretty solid football. So I like Geno Smith, but when you take Purdy over Geno, 
That one's close. That one's very, very close. I would probably take... I think Gino's got a better... Gino's got a much better arm than Purdy. Purdy's got, like, negative velocity on his throws. That's what kind of scares me. Like, if we're looking at the quarterbacks with the most in the... High, the least in the most velocity in the NFL, Purdy might be the lowest. Like, might be. But again, he's not asked to do anything that zips the ball in there, so that's fine. If he's not asked to do it, you don't need to do it. So it's it's nothing crazy. Like, look at Iowa. Deacon Hill launches the ball like 100 miles an hour every single time he throws. They go from that, from Cade McNamara, who's got no velocity on his throws as well, to Deacon Hill, who's got an arm of Josh Allen. So it's like, where's the consistency? <laughs> we got no consistency here, but... I'd probably lean Purdy, right? Right? Probably lean Purdy. Probably fade Purdy. Right? So we're looking at the grand landscape of the NFL. How long have we talked about this? Good Lord. Jesus. <laughs> we're, talking about, we're talking about 40 minutes of this. Talking about Purdy. Jeez, man. But we're looking at, and it's fair. I mean, Purdy's a big talking point. I don't want to make it sound like I'm bashing Purdy or anything. I'm trying to be real, as realistic as possible here. Again, he's done nothing to me in my lifetime. So I, I have no ill will towards Brock Purdy whatsoever. I think it's funny, like, we were at a bonfire last week, and we're standing around the bonfire watching the Niners vs. Cowboys game, and when I look around, it's like, Brock Purdy would not look out of place here. Brock Purdy is probably smaller than me. He's as old as my sister. He's two years younger than me. He's probably smaller than me. He's obviously stronger than me. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm the strongest dude of all time, especially compared to a guy that's lifting an NFL locker room, NFL weight rooms and stuff like that. But Purdy's not that necessarily the biggest dude out there. Like, Chris McCaffrey's bigger than, than Brock Purdy, it looks like. But so we would take we would take Purdy over Jones. We would take Purdy over, and this is based off current things right now. I would take a lot of quarterbacks in 49ers system over Purdy, but that's not the conversation we're having here. I would take Purdy over Jones, Purdy over Wilson, Purdy over current Deshaun, Purdy over Pickett, Purdy over Minshew. I got, okay, so we're at five. Purdy over Tannehill. And we said Purdy over Stroud. We'll just do it for sake of argument. Uh, Purdy over Russell Wilson. Purdy over Garoppolo. So there's nine. There's nine quarterbacks we would take over Purdy. So that's nine of seven again. Or nine of 16 in the AFC. And then the NFC, we're looking at, we take Purdy over Dak. So there's 10 quarterbacks right there. We would take Purdy over Daniel Jones. We take Purdy over Sam Howell. We would take Purdy over Jordan Love. Ritter, Bryce Young. That's 15. Take Purdy over Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, Josh Dobbs, Matt Stafford. So that's 19 quarterbacks we would take Purdy over. So right now, hold on, I'm not trying to do I I can do it. Do not do not do not insult me. I'm doing I'm gonna do the math here. Cause I So we were ranking quarterbacks, Purdy would be 13, which is coincidental because that's his number. And I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Like, and then you can put him at 12, because that argument with Gino, that's the interesting one. I'll put him at thir- 12 or 13 for best quarterback in the NFL at current form. I think that's fair. I don't think that's anything, like, really bad. Like, you're one of the top half quarterbacks in the NFL for a team that's arguably the best team in football. Like, every team loses. There's been one team to ever go undefeated throughout a season. That's the Miami Dolphins in 72. The New England Patriots almost did it. Didn't end up doing it. The Panthers went 15-1. and uh, The Vikings have gone 15-1 and before with Randall Cunningham and all those guys. There has been one ever perfect team of all time. So every team loses. Every team loses. Every pitcher is going to give up a home run at some point. The greatest pitchers of all time have all given up home runs. Like, it's going to happen. So I don't want to mark this off like they lost the Browns. Now they're no longer the best team in football. Because even if the Eagles beat the Jets like they should, I still think the 49ers are a better team than the Eagles. So that's what we're going to look. I don't want to make it, like, 
drop him off completely here that he's lost today, but I do not think he should be in the conversation for MVP. I understand the Niners are a really good football team. They're going to keep winning, and they're going to keep winning with him at quarterback because he does exactly everything they need, but I don't want to have that conversation about him being MVP. I don't even think the most diehard Iowa State fan would even say that. Because I know the 49ers fans, they like themselves in Brock Purdy, and that's understandable. I, I understand why you love Brock Purdy. But not even the most diehard Iowa State fans. I know quite a few Iowa State fans. I went to Johnston. So there's a lot of Iowa State fans there. So you got <laughs> there's a lot of people that love Brock Purdy here in the state of Iowa. Nobody is more shocked at Brock Purdy's success than the people here in the state of Iowa. Because we watched him every Saturday. So we saw him in college. So no one's more surprised and cheering on Brock Purdy as much as we are. And same goes for George Kittle. George Kittle was not this tight end at Iowa. George Kittle, I think his career, his total career numbers at Iowa, and he's used in a completely different role at Iowa than he is at San Francisco, but similar enough, like he's still run blocking. He's still one of the best run blockers in college. He was one of the best run blockers in college football. He's one of the best run blockers in the NFL now. He's just an insane wide receiver. Doesn't drop anything. So, you know, that's the other thing. Like, we're cheer. if you're from Iowa, we'll cheer for you. There ain't no hate. There shouldn't be any hatred. If you're from the state of Iowa or you're playing in a team and you played at a school from the state of Iowa, people will cheer for you. College football is literally everything here in the state of Iowa. And I, I, I didn't really think this would how it would be coming up, but I have to talk about this because, like, again, you're from the state of Iowa. You'll cheer you on. We'll, we'll claim you. Like, I remember when the Cardinals were in the World Series, the St. Louis Cardinals. Micah Waka was playing for the Cardinals. There was, like, he was... I can't remember if he was born in Iowa or lived in Iowa for a little bit. They We claim Micah Waka. We claim Zach Parise. We're pretty much claiming Joe Burrow. Dude was born in Ames. We're claiming Joe Burrow. Like, if you're in Iowa for, like, a split second, state of Iowa's claiming you. That's what we're doing. We're claiming whoever this is. One thing, as an Iowan, I will not claim is this weird-ass trend. I don't know if it's a trend. I've seen it a lot on social media recently. And it popped up because Iowa State and Cincinnati were playing. I saw this a couple years ago. It has been a while since I've seen this. But the whole cinnamon roll chili thing. Chris Hassel, you know, famous Iowan, worked at WHO 13 here in Des Moines, obviously with CBS Sports Now, was he with ESPN before. He tweeted out, or Cyclone Larry, I should say. I saw it from Chris Hassel, but Cyclone Larry is the one that originally tweeted it. A very big Twitter account here in the state of Iowa. He tweeted out, who has a better chili dish? Iowa State with cinnamon rolls and chili or Cincinnati with the noodles and beans, the Skyline chili and all that stuff. I've never had Skyline chili. I can semi-get behind that because it's basically just, you know, meats, meat on pasta. That's fine. I can, I can get behind that. Cinnamon roll and chili. And from this picture, the, chi- the cinnamon roll is in the chili. I don't care what part of Iowa you're from. That's not a thing. And if you're from Iowa and you're claiming that's a thing... You have the thing called the Mandela effect or something because that's not anything that happens. It sure as hell ain't a Central Iowa thing. I, I talked to my dad about it. I texted my family group chat. I said, have you guys ever heard of this before? I'm like, no. My dad, my mom and dad are both from Iowa. My mom went to Urbandale. My dad went to Roseville. Lived in the state of Iowa their entire lives. My sister and I went to Johnson. We have lived in Iowa our entire lives. Like my sister lives in Texas now, but our entire lives up to this point, up to that point, until like a couple months ago, we always lived in the state of Iowa. We went to college in Iowa. We grew up in Iowa. We did all that stuff. We went to colleges in different parts of Iowa. I went to college in Oskaloosa. I went to college in Cedar Falls. Like, I went to all over the place. I had never seen chili with cinnamon roll. I had never seen that. So you can't claim it's a Southern Iowa thing because I went to Southern Iowa. I went to a school in Southern Iowa. You can't claim it's a Northern Iowa thing because I went to Cedar Falls. I went to Northern Iowa. 
And you can't claim the Central Iowa thing because I grew up in Des Moines. So where the hell is this thing at? Where is this at? There's no way this is real. I, I refuse to believe this is real. And I, I don't think it's a joke because people on underneath this tweet and other tweets were talking about how much they like it. And I saw someone tweeting out pictures of their lunch trays. Like, where where did you get this? Who is making this? Who made this a combination? If you're dipping the cinnamon, like, having the cinnamon roll and chili is one thing. That's why I like cinnamon rolls. I like chili. With the Bills-Jaguars game last week, my dad brought cinnamon rolls. Like, we had cinnamon rolls here. My papa makes chili. I love both of them. I ain't never eaten them together. It has never once crossed my mind to eat those two things together. Now, if you're eating it separately and you have them, that's fine. That's one thing. But all these pictures of people, like, with cinnamon roll in the chili, that is disgusting. I don't care what part of Iowa you're from. That's not a thing. And there's certain parts of Iowa, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if they had this. Like the bottom, what, 10 counties in Iowa? I would not be shocked that they had that. That is a very Southern Iowa thing. I've taught Justin, who's been on the show before. He's from Fairfield, Iowa. He has a famous line. He's famous to me because it's. I think it's funny being from the state of Iowa. And our friend Zach who has been on the show as well before. He's been on there until Brady started coming on regularly. Zach was the most frequent guest on the Logan Blackman show. But Zach is from Missouri. He's from Ozark, Missouri. He's from Southern Missouri. So we would talk about, Justin used to say, or he still does say, if you took the bottom counties from Iowa, the southern counties from Iowa, and added them to Missouri, both states' IQs would go up. That, that's, <laughs> that's, how, that's, that's why it wouldn't surprise me that's a Southern Iowa thing. Sure, again, it, okay, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if it was a Sioux City thing. Sioux City's odd. That is, I was there last night. I was at a Shane Gillis show last night with a couple friends. Like, it is an odd place. It's called Sewer City for a reason. It reeks. Not just in smell. It reeks just in this, like, the feeling you have when you're there. It's like Cedar Rapids. Like, same thing. I wouldn't be surprised to Cedar Rapids people. Their, their freaking city hall is on the river. And they're shocked why it floods every freaking year. No way. You're right on the river, right in a floodplain? No shit. Your, your city all gets flooded every year. Maybe move it. I remember I was coming back from Iowa spring game a couple years ago. Me and Noah went. We were coming back from Iowa City. We were going through Cedar Rapids to get to, Iowa, to Cedar Falls. I'm not kidding. It punches you in the face when you drive through Cedar Falls or through Cedar Rapids. The smell. It is so bad. There's like, there's cereal factories up there. There's General Mills factories up there. But there's also dog food packing factories. That shit hits you in the face like freaking Deontay Wilder. Like, it is insane how bad it smells. Cedar Rapids sucks. And I love Coe College. I almost went to Coe. That was my number two school. It was that. William Penn, Coe, and Wartburg. But, good lord. That city stinks. It's bad. It is a terrible place. I don't like The only good thing that ever came from Cedar Rapids is that Hillary Clinton clip where she says, I'm just chilling in Cedar Rapids. That's literally it. There ain't nothing else that's come for Cedar Rapids. Everybody's like, you know, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I know Kurt Warner and Zach Johnson, they're cool people, but that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me there either. Marshalltown, Fort Dodge, those are places I would expect this thing to cut this abomination from. But if they're telling you it's an Iowa thing and they're from those places, it don't count, okay? It do not count. <laughs> I've seen that it popped up everywhere like a week ago, right before this uh, Iowa State-Cincinnati game. And I saw people tweeting out pictures of a trophy for it. Like, And look at that. Uh, Barstool, Iowa, they put out a poll and said, Iowans, have you ever had cinnamon roll with chili? 
Cinnamon roll with chili. It's not cinnamon roll and chili. It's cinnamon roll with chili. 48% out of 29, 3,000 votes. When this was like right as the poll started too, I already had 3,000 votes. 48% said yes. Bullshit. And so 18% what the hell is that? Well, I guess if you combine what the hell is that and no, I think that's pretty much the same category, then that category is obviously winning. But still, hey, 52% is not enough. We need more. <laughs> In Iowa tradition, unlike any other, the Masters on CBS. No, that's not how it works. That ain't how it works at all. That is disgusting. That is absolutely terrible. Like, it is... It is crazy. And Iowa State, to their credit, they did uh, come out on top in the, the the Chili Bowl, I guess, against Cincinnati in dominating style, too. That's the first game for Iowa State. I mean, we got a, a two other games. We got the Ohio and UNI game flipped around. But this is the first time this year where Iowa State is now positive versus our preseason prediction. Iowa State is now above that. And they have looked really good. I'm not even – I'm not shitting you. They've looked pretty solid. And – I, it, it's not against the greatest teams of all time. Let's not kid ourselves here. But or no, I had him losing. To, I had him losing to TCU. I had him beating since. No, what did I? Did I have him beating Cincinnati? I don't think I did. I don't remember. I know we had him going four and eight, but they're already at four wins. They're above five hundred. I didn't know if that was really something that was feasible to this season. But the U and I in Ohio games we had flipped around. But we did discuss the possibility of them losing to Ohio. But to be fair to me, we did talk about that. There's just a bunch of question marks. And Rocco Bett is a better quarterback, ironically, than Hunter Deckers. He's just better. And that is crazy to think about. Like, no, there was not a lot of Iowa State fans that really liked Hunter Deckers anyway, so I don't think there were a lot of people, like, shedding tears when Hunter Deckers wasn't on the team anymore. But I think there was that fear that we don't know who our quarterback is. Neither one of our quarterbacks really have any play in time. J.J. Cole's a true freshman, and Rocco Bett's played, like, what, two games? Not putting anything, any meaningful snaps in, so it's kind of a worry. You don't have any real run game. You're off the line, stinks. You've got question marks of wide receiver, though Jalen Knowles really has played really, really well this year. And you got the transfer from Western Kentucky, or Eastern Kentucky, sorry, as well this offseason. Hanneke was out as well. So you had, like, a bunch of question marks, but Iowa State's playing well. They're playing really good. They're putting up a lot of points. We talked about the game against Oklahoma. They scored 20 points. They had a pick six in the, it was the second play of the game. They still managed to drop 20 points on them. They were in it the first half, and then Oklahoma woke up. It was like, you know, we're not going to play this game anymore. And they beat TCU in the Jack Trice game and double, by double digits. They beat Cincinnati by double digits on the road. Like they're playing well. Rocco Beck's playing good. He's not playing amazing, but he's playing good. The run game's working. Though. We obviously know, again, the one thing we didn't have question marks going into the season about was the defense. Everybody knew the defense was going to be good. And Jeremiah Cooper, every time I'm talking to like Brady or his fiance about this, I feel like Jeremiah Cooper has a pick every single freaking game. And he's leading the nation in interceptions this year. At least he was. He had, I think he has five interceptions on the season. Like, Jeremiah Cooper has an interception, I feel like, every single game they play. And TJ Tampa, one of the better corners in college football, big physical corner, he's had a he's had a really good season as well. Like, the defense, no one really had questions about the defense side of the ball for Iowa State. There are no questions there. It was all coming from the offensive side of the ball. But the offense, after those first couple weeks, obviously the UNI game was an anomaly in those first three weeks because it was UNI, a lot of this game was played on shorter fields because you had the picks. You had the interceptions, you had the punt return. Like, a lot of that was played in plus territory. So you didn't really get to see a full grasp of what the offense was. In the Iowa game, they sucked. On the outside of the ball, they had that weird eight-minute drive where, you know, they were running up the line. Or not even running. They were walking the line of scrimmage, snapping the ball with, like, two seconds left in the play clock. You had that weird game. You had the weird game against Ohio, which ended 10-7. Whether you want to acknowledge that as a 10-7 game, that's, <laughs> that's another thing. But they played, as the season progressed, they had that really good game against Oklahoma State. Saw the potential there. 
You had a solid outing against Oklahoma, which is insane to think about saying that they lost by 30 points, but they had a solid outing in that game. And you look at the games against TCU. You look at the game against Cincinnati. They played solidly. And they got a bye week coming up this week. Like, hey, going to the bye week, winning three of your last four games and dropping 20 points and playing semi-close to Oklahoma in the first half, that's pretty good. And they're going against a Baylor team that's not very good, sitting at 2-4 and four in the season. Like, hey, it could be a fun game. And the offense is going to keep getting better because you got a first-year offensive coordinator in Nate Shieldhouse. you got Rocco Begnes' first year as a starter, so it's just going to keep improving as the season progresses. It wasn't going to be pretty to start off, but, hey, it's getting better. It's getting better, and that's all you can really ask for right now. Like, Iowa State, given the rest of their schedule, like, Texas is going to be an insanely tough game. We know that. But they can win a decent, like, Baylor, Kansas, BYU, and Kansas State, they're all beatable. They've all got their strengths, of course, but those are they can win some of those games. It's not anything out of the question. They could beat Texas. I talked about this in the preview where they always have one game a year where they beat a team that they have no business in beating. Like you look at the games against Oklahoma. You look at the games against West West Virginia. Look at the games against Oklahoma State. Look at the games against Nebraska when Paul Rhodes was there. Look at some of the games against Iowa. Like the year after the Capital One Bowl game where Drew Tate hit Warren Holloway, Iowa State came out and beat Iowa 27-3 or 24-3. The year after that game happened. So that is the Iowa State when they when Iowa went to the freaking when Brad Banks was a Heisman finalist. When they went to the Orange Bowl, played USC, their one loss the regular season against Iowa State. One loss that year was against Iowa State. Now it was the Seneca Wallace team, it's a little bit different story, but still, looking at how that season progressed for Iowa, that's not a game Iowa State should win. So they always have games like that, it feels like. Regardless of how good they are, they always have games like that. And this Texas game could be that. Texas losing to Oklahoma last week, but I don't think Texas will be losing a lot more games the rest of the year. I think Quinn Ewers and co. will figure things out the rest of the season. They didn't play terrible. I mean, Quinn Ewers threw a couple bad interceptions, regardless if you want to say whose fault it was for the, for the second one. But And he also had a fumble in the game as well, which is not ideal. But, you know, it's interesting to see how that game will go. I'm in, very intrigued by that Texas game. Very intrigued by that Texas game. But as for Iowa, the team we brought up just a little bit ago, we're talking about Iowa State, they won yesterday. They're now bowl eligible, which I don't really know if that's a thing anymore. Is it, do you do you have you don't really need to win six games anymore? I've seen teams didn't Rice go to a bowl game with four wins last year, two years ago, or am I bugging? Did they they had four or five wins? They weren't they didn't have six wins. I don't remember if they had four or five, but they definitely didn't have six. With how many bowl games there are right now, you don't need to win six. Winning six games, it's just got that cool mantra like bowl eligible now. That's not a thing anymore. There's like a hundred bowl games. Everybody's bowl eligible if they win two games like that. That's simple facts here. Like Pitt, they have won. <laughs> this is one of my favorite things from this past weekend. Pitt has won two games this year. The Pitt Panthers, they have won two games. One of their wins was against Wofford. Wofford, you know, the Wofford Terriers. Wofford right now is sitting at 0-7 on the season. They just lost to East Tennessee State 41-10. They lost to Sanford the week before that 30-10. They lost to Pitt 45-7. You know, they lost to Presbyterian, VMI, Chattanooga, uh, William and Mary, famous for Sean McDermott and Mike Tomlin. He went to Pitt's second win against a Louisville team who beat Notre Dame last week. It was 6-0 in the year, ranked 14th. And not only did Pitt, Pitt beat them, they beat them 38-21. That is insane. That is absolutely crazy. I don't know why that I had to talk about that, but that is just something that blew my freaking mind this week. I saw that on Twitter. I didn't. I kind of forgot that was Pitt's second win, but still... Again, their two wins against Wofford and Louisville. 0-7 <laughs> and 6-0. Those were their two wins. 
That is crazy. Oh, A.J. Brown just scored. Touchdown Eagles. Oh, uh, no, I spoke, I stand corrected. I jinxed it. He got pushed out of bounds like the two-yard line. But Iowa, um, they're winning games. Winning two. Oh, yeah, that was what we were talking about. Bulge, but you win two games, you're bulge, essentially. And now they got the, 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 you know, the big win there against Louisville. But Iowa, good Lord, bowl eligible again. Six and one in the season. I can't think, and Iowa's done this to me before. Iowa's done this to me before. I remember Joe Burrow year, Alabama, or LSU, were playing Alabama. They had like Jalen Wild, Tua, Jerry, Judy, all those guys. And they were playing LSU, the, the soon-to-be national champions. The same day was Iowa-Wisconsin. Same time, everything. Iowa-Wisconsin versus LSU-Alabama. I said to myself, man, they are really testing my fandom right now. They are really testing it. And you want to know what this year's was for Iowa-Wisconsin? Oregon, Washington, you know, very, you know, two very similar games right there. <laughs> Offensive powerhouses going back and forth in this game. Let's read out the, the drive summaries in this game. The drive summaries are just really funny. Like the big 10 West is so funny. Like it's barely football. <laughs> it's, it's like, if you teleported back to when football was first invented, that is basically what the big 10 West is. That's what it reminds me of. And you know, what's even funnier Iowa realistically could go into this and finish the season 11 and one. That is depressing as hell. That is so sad. And I think it's funny when people talk about like this, like I'm obviously not a fan of this offense. I bitched and moaned about this offense more times than not on this show, but people on Twitter are going to be like this team's six and one. What would a good offense get you? Yeah. A good offense would get you to six and one because the schedule is super easy this is the easiest schedule in college football. For a Power 5 school, it's probably the easiest schedule in college football. Like, we said that before the season. This isn't something that's changed over time. No, this is like a common theme going into the season. I was ba- my bare minimum for Iowa was a 9-3. We had them going 10-2. The Wisconsin game, I was 50-50 on. I thought Wisconsin's offense would be a little bit better than what it was. I thought they'd get more things figured out than what they have. But... That was a game I was I was not 50-50 on the Penn State game. That one I was like pretty <laughs> fairly confident on them beating Penn State. And that's what happened. So Iowa this year is undefeated when they score points. So if Iowa scores, they're going to win a game. That's what the, the the trend is saying right now this year. But a good offense or an average offense. Iowa with an average offense would still be 6-1. and one. That is correct. But Iowa with an average offense gets you into a realm where you're actually talking about this team could compete for things. This defense and special teams are... I said this last year. This defense and special teams are good enough to challenge for bigger things. Like, this team is not challenging for a Big Ten title. They're not. That's just the fact of the matter. They're not challenging for a Big Ten title. They're not beating Penn State. They're not beating Michigan. They're not even beating Ohio State. Who's the worst of those three. They're not beating any of those teams. They're not. That's just the fact. If they had an average offense, they had a chance of winning those games. A very good chance of winning those games. Iowa's defense and special teams are that good. Their offense is just that bad. And it's not even worth like really bitching and moaning about it anymore because it's just the facts. And at this point, Iowa's not getting over the 25-point average. So, at this point, we stay winning. We stay winning. And Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game this year against Michigan or Penn State or Ohio State, Penn State and Ohio State play this week. So, that'll be a very interesting game to see. I think Penn State should win, but, you know, time will tell on that one. Very, very exciting game for that. But, they you could compete. I guarantee with Iowa with an average offense, average, I'm not even asking for like supernova offense. I'm not asking for Oregon, Washington, USC, and all those teams. I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking for bang average, bang average. 
and you are competing for conference titles, actually competing. You're not competing to go to conference titles. You're competing to win conference titles. You're competing to win big bowl games. Not go to the freaking pinstripe bowl or whatever bowl game I was going to. Or they're going to go to a big bowl because they're going to finish freaking 11-2. and two. So that's what's going to happen, unfortunately. And they're probably going to lose the bowl game too. But you can compete for things if you have a good offense. Defense special teams get you so far. You're winning games because of it. But it is bad. It is brutal. I cannot imagine the meetings are very fun between Phil Parker and Brian Ferentz. I cannot imagine that. Because it's a whole, it's a team game. And one portion of the team is not doing anything. They're barely doing enough to survive. That is that is the fact of the matter. They are barely surviving at this point. 15 to 6. Guys, Wisconsin. There's no reason Iowa should not have dominated this game. I mean, on most part, like, like they did for the most part, I guess you could say. You could say they dominated, I guess. <laughs> they put forth decent drives in the first half. Oh no, this game was just brutal. It is an unwatchable game, especially with with Oregon Washington on. With the team, with Michael Penix, a team, a guy that Iowa beat when he was at Indiana. I was at that game. Riley Moss had a pick six on Indiana's first drive of the game. That is insane to think. Michael Penix at that time though was considered to be the best quarterback in the Big Ten. So it's not like this is in some insane thing. It's insane the numbers he's putting up. But Michael Penix, we knew was a good quarterback. He just battled a shit ton of injuries and played for Indiana. So it's. <laughs> But for this game, let's read out the drives. Let's read out the drives because this is just this is always fun. So okay, we got punt downs downs punt punt touchdown Iowa. We got a Lashawn Williams massive touchdown run like we did against Purdue last week, and then we go <laughs> the next drives into the touchdown. Every drive at the end of the first half is three and out apart from one, which went five plays for Wisconsin. Every other drive is three and out. Punt 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 punt, <laughs> and one again. One of those drives is <laughs> went for more than three plays. And that happened because Brantley Allen had an 11-yard run. So, other than that, punt, 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 punt. And they had to end a half. It didn't even go for three plays. It went for two plays. So, there's that. Second half starts. Field goal, punt. Field goal, punt. So, that's 6-7. Punt, field goal, Iowa. Safety. So, now Iowa's got 12 points. And then punt, 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 fumble, field goal, interception, and a game. So game-stealing interception. Tanner Mordecai was knocked out of the game, but yeah, it's <laughs> brutal. That's the best way you can describe it. Deacon Hill's not very good. It's not even just, like, he's just not very good. He might as well just resort to a triple option offense. Might as well throw Cooper DeGene at quarterback. Like, Kentucky did it. Lyndon, Lynn Bowden, a few years ago, they had all these injuries to quarterback. They threw Lynn Bowden at quarterback. They went on an insane tear. They blew out a bunch of teams. They had a very good season that year. Lynn Bowden was sick at quarterback. And Iowa should just revert to that. LaShawn Williams and Caleb Johnson are playing really, really well right now. Really well. They played well last week against Purdue. This week, 25 and 17 carries between the two of them. Like, Caleb Johnson didn't put up the most insane yards. They had over 200 yards rushing in total offense. Over 200 yards rushing as a team, I should say. Deacon Hill, 6 of 14, 37 yards. What an insane passing number. And Eric All was hurt, had two catches in the game. I feel like he's got like 75, 80% of Deacon Hill's passes. <laughs> I I don't know. There's not really a lot to talk about in this game. Unwatchable is a nice way to put it. It's. It <laughs> oh, my God. Iowa. 
Iowa football. And that's, again, that's the thing. They're going to finish the rest of the season 11 and 1, and they're going to get absolutely dick stomped by Michigan, Penn State, or Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. It looks like Michigan right now. Michigan's looking really, really good. They're getting better as the season progresses. Ugh, man. They play Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, Nebraska. If they lose any of those games, we are having problems. <laughs> so let's look at the conference standings. Let's look at the conference standings here for the Big Ten. Big Ten West, I should say. Every team, above from Iowa and Wisconsin, has a 500 or worse record right now. Northwestern's 3-3, three and three, Minnesota's 3-3, three and three, Nebraska's 3-3, three and three, Purdue's 2-5, and five, who I already beat, Iowa already beat, and then Illinois is 3-4. That's what we're looking at right now. That is sad. That is sad. Like, and you look at, you want to say how great Iowa's defense is and they don't need a good offense. Look at Michigan. Michigan is allowed, allowed this season. Not average. They have allowed 47 points this season. Just so happens they have scored 276 points this season. Both are tops in the Big Ten. Not by a wide margin. Penn State's only scored 10 less points and has allowed one more point. So it's not like they're wide margin there. But that's what a good offense is. That's what a complete team is. And Iowa is not that. There's one, there are two ends of this team that are carrying the other one. The special teams and defense are carrying the offense. Like, it is embarrassing. Like We have a fantasy football group chat again. A lot of the people in that group chat are Iowa State fans. And it's kind of funny. I think I, It's kind of like my dad with the Patriots growing up. I think, my, I think Iowa State fans hate Iowa more than they like Iowa State. Because I feel like that group chat is like dominated... 99% of the time when it's about college football is just making fun of Iowa. Like, or Iowa gets randomly brought up by the Iowa State fans. There's not really a lot you could say. Like, my friend Ryan, he's not an Iowa State fan. He's an Arkansas Razorbacks fan. But he put in the group chat yesterday, he said uh, something along the lines of not, he, he basically, the long and short of it, he could not stand watching this game, the Iowa-Wisconsin game. And he said something like, like I, I can't do this. And I was going to type up and say something along the lines of like, that's coming from a neutral. Imagine actually supporting this team. But then, you know, the Iowa State fans love to say the whole trope about you didn't go to Iowa, so you can't be an Iowa fan thing. So that <laughs> like I got that at the freaking uh Iowa Iowa State game. And Brady, who's on the show, he didn't go to Iowa State. And yeah, he's an Iowa State fan. But it's fine because he cheers for Iowa State. That's fine. And Iowa, you and I are not rivals in any stretch of the imagination. Iowa State and you and I, for my entire life, have pretty much been rivals. Mark Farley literally called it the best game in the state. Iowa State, you and I. That's what, Mark Farley, the coach of you and I, said that. That is a big game for both schools, especially when we were growing up. <laughs> but yeah, I think Iowa State fans hate Iowa more than they actually like Iowa State because it gets brought up like every single Saturday about Iowa. And it's not even from the Iowa fans. Because Iowa fans are kind of just like accepted it at this point. There's nothing to get upset about. It's perfectly fine. They're winning games, unfortunately, and but they are staying under 25 points, which is a uh, positive so I guess we're net we're net even here with the offense sucking ass defense playing well and they're winning games so yeah Iowa scored 146 points this season good lord 146 that is sad that is brutal honest that is terrible 46 point 146 points 46 points won't actually surprise me given given how they played this year 146 points wow it's not really not a lot you can really say other than that but hey one Going against Minnesota, should win that game, should have really no issues there. They're back in the top 25. They're ranked 24th, which is crazy, but they're 6-1, so I guess you can't really argue it. But it's not really based on performance. It's just how good you are, or your record-wise. 
uh, for you and I, just long and short, they got blasted 41-6. And that, not surprising. South Dakota State's by far the best team in the FCS. You and I usually play South Dakota State really well, but they brought back everybody. They won a national championship last year. They brought back everybody. The U and I game was close last year. You and I lost a lot of key people. It was not going to be close. I thought there was like a slimmer of hope for you and I, but they, it just didn't pull out. Isaiah Davis had over 100 yards rushing. Mark Gronowski had three touchdowns passing. He had another one rushing. Theo Day had two picks, no touchdowns. Yeah, it just wasn't. It wasn't it. It wasn't a good game for you and I, and that's fine. It's not like anything really right home about like oh man that really man they should have won that game no they shouldn't have like North Dakota versus North Dakota State North Dakota State lost to South Dakota last week or two weeks ago they lost to North Dakota this week 49 to 24 we got a change in the guard here in North Dakota the Bison losing to the Hawks or the the what is it the Battle Hawks what is their nickname it's the Battle Hawks right Fighting Hawks Fighting Hawks got blasted by them this week and North Dakota plays Iowa or you and I this week, so that'll be interesting how that game goes. But it's at the Unidome; should be a fun game, hopefully. But yeah, not not the greatest feeling in the world <laughs> to get blasted like that. But it's the by far the best team in the FCS, so it's you gotta take your losses, you gotta just take on the chin and move on. Sometimes that's all you can do. Sometimes, sometimes all you can do. But yeah, William Penn won this week, so there's a positive there as well. So we had three of the four big teams in the state of Iowa getting dubs this weekend. Just a shame you and I couldn't get it over the edge. But Washington versus freaking Oregon. What a game that was. Michael Penix versus Bo Nix. Fun-ass game. But the one game in the Pac-12 I want to look at instead is the USC-Notre Dame game. Because I'm not, like, surprised of what happened in the game. In regards to Notre Dame beat the shit out of USC. USC has been playing tempting fate for the past however many weeks now. So I'm not really surprised USC finally lost. I was on Cole and Company on Friday. This was one of my games I picked was Notre Dame covering this game. I didn't know they would beat them by 28 points. I didn't really think that was happening. But I did expect Notre Dame to win, especially looking how USC barely escaped Arizona and barely did not play great against Arizona State, allowed Colorado to get back in the game. USC's defense we knew was not very good. Or Notre Dame's offense, nothing like amazing. But Sam Hartman's playing really, really good. He's playing really solid right now, which we knew he was going to play solid. He's a really good quarterback at Wake Forest, so it's not surprising he's put up really good numbers. Uh, estimate running back, he's having a very, very good season as well. Some people's number one running back in the draft. He's had 95 yards in this game, two touchdowns, 22 carries. Just an easy game. And the thing that everybody's talking about is Caleb Williams, three interceptions. And not great interceptions either. And I Cole, who we just brought up a little bit ago, who was on Cole, he's the host of Cole & Company. It's his show. I go on Fridays. Talk about college football, NFL. He'll have me on for the draft as well. And we'll do all that stuff. And I'll talk about Caleb Williams. He texted me yesterday, like yesterday morning. Because we were going to talk. He texted me the week before about USC versus Arizona. And I fell asleep. I cashed out. I could not watch the entire thing. So I cashed out. Similar thing that would happen on Friday. I tried to watch Colorado versus Stanford. Fell asleep at halftime. It was 29-0. I wake up. It was <laughs> Stanford 1. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait. What the hell happened here? So I had to go back and watch that one again. I was like, what the hell happened? That is not what I expected. But the USC-Arizona game, he texted me if I was watching. I didn't see any. I didn't watch it because I fell asleep. And I was like, no, but I just saw it was triple overtime game, and USC ended up winning. Caleb Williams didn't have the greatest game of all time. He had three rushing touchdowns in the game, four total touchdowns in the game, but nothing amazing. Like It was this Caleb Williams looks human thing. And this week, three interceptions. And, my, and I texted Cole, or he texted me about the game, and I – or not about the game, about Caleb Williams in general. 
So his text, I'm just going to read the conversation. It was at 12.46 yesterday. So well before the Notre Dame-USC game. Hold on, let me. I got a hair in my phone. Uh, didn't have time to bring up the show Friday, but the reason I texted you last Saturday night was to see if you were watching USC because I don't think Caleb Williams is a surefire prospect. Some have anointed him. And I I agree with that. I For the most part, I agree with it. I do. Because there are things Caleb Williams does that scare me a little bit. Like, he holds on to the ball an insane amount of time. Very long amount of time. And a lot of that goes down to the offensive line. is very good, but a lot of times he's just bouncing around for really no reason. Like, sometimes it's scary. And I think there's times as well, and you can see this in the Notre Dame game, where he trusts his ability too much. And that's a problem at times because that reverts back to what we were talking about earlier in playing hero ball. You have too much faith that Josh Allen gets in the same thing. It's not like a massive, man, Caleb Williams does this, no other quarterbacks do it. The best quarterbacks do it. So it's not like a massive red flag, but it is something that's concerning. you got to get that out for a little bit. Because when you get to the next level... You can't afford to do that because he's going to go to a trash team. He's going to be trying to revive a franchise, whether that's the Bears, whether that's the Cardinals, whether that's the Broncos, whatever team he goes to, like he's going to be the responsible to reverting them back to relevance in a sense. And you cannot afford to do that in the NFL. Bounce around in the pocket like that. You cannot do that. You cannot just solely rely on your abilities at the next level. You can't do that. Like I remember last week or two weeks ago against Colorado, his interception was him seeing the play late and then trying to trust it too much and forcing the issue got picked off. And the Colorado defender did a Heisman celebration. I thought was kind of funny, but sometimes he gets in the habit of doing that. And sometimes you're like, man, just get rid of the ball. Just get rid of the ball. Like he's got otherworldly skills. Like if we're talking about just what the best college quarterback I've ever seen, he's definitely up there. I think the best college quarterback, like individual season was Joe Burrow, but I think the best college quarterback I ever watched was Vince Young. I think if I'm going like looking at like Cam Newton's definitely up there. Tebow's up there. Uh, Burrow, obviously we brought him up for individual seasons. Like there's a lot of good, great core. Bryce Young was a great college quarterback. Didn't have the greatest season last year, but still put up solid numbers. It was basically the entire thing that made Alabama tick. And Caleb Williams is definitely up there before this week. We were talking about him winning his second straight Heisman. He had better numbers up to this point than he did at this point last year. Like Caleb Williams was having a fantastic season. I think it's funny how, like, yes, I had concerns about Caleb Williams and what it does in the next level. And this is why we've always talked about, I wouldn't be surprised if Drake May was past Caleb Williams going into the draft. We talked about this before the season started, like well before the season, like in April, May, like when we first start talking about this year's draft, we have talked about Drake May potentially being better than Caleb Williams in the draft eyes. And we had him 1A, 1B going into this season. So like, I'm not surprised that people are starting to fall off that a little bit because I never really felt comfortable throwing like the oh it's guaranteed I always said this I hate when people throw zero bust potential or like he's guaranteed generational player I hate when people do that because every single player can bust there's no bust proof player in the NFL there's nobody that's bust proof like imagine if Trevor Lawrence was with Urban Meyer's entire career Urban Meyer wouldn't be in Jack or uh, Trevor Lawrence wouldn't be in Jacksonville right now they would have drafted somebody else because they would have had the number one overall pick again if Trevor Lawrence was as bad his first year going into the last year with Doug Peterson and they missed the playoffs, we might be looking at, oh, the Jaguars need to look at another quarterback. We've had that conversation with Justin Fields this year. So to say Trevor Lawrence is out of that question, no. Trevor Lawrence, it could have happened to Trevor Lawrence. We talked about with Zach. Well, that draft class, has it's not looking great. All those quarterbacks could be playing somewhere else. <laughs> Trey Lance got traded. 
Matt Jones might be somewhere else. Fields might be somewhere else. Zach Wilson might be somewhere else. Trevor Lawrence is the only one that's going to stay there, but if he stayed with Urban Meyer, it could all went tits up. It would have been bad. Nobody's bust-proof. Every single player can bust. So I don't want to sit around and go like, Caleb Williams is going to be a top 10 quarterback when he goes to the league. I've been hearing that a lot. Let me talk about Nick Wright talk, going to Mahomes Mount. Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the NFL after the, oh, DeAndre Swift just fumbled. And the Jets, oh, the Jets did recover it eventually. Awkwardly recovered it. But I, w- I wasn't comfortable saying he was going to be a top 10 quarterback right when he stepped in the NFL. I thought it was a little crazy. But sometimes I think he trusts himself too much. And that's not, like, I don't blame him. Dude's insanely talented. Insanely talented. I remember watching his throw against Oklahoma when he played Texas when he was at Oklahoma to bring them back in that game. It was one of the most insane throws. Like it was, I think it was to Marvin Mims down the right sideline. It was a beautiful throw for a touchdown. Dot is what we'd call that. He's throwing a ton of dots at USC. But the people now, we went from generational prospect to now we're talking about Drake Mays now surpassed him. We went from one end of the spectrum to the complete opposite end like that. I posted my week six prospect rankings on Instagram, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all those. You can check out the link to that on social media and all those. You can go to the LoganBlackmanShow.com under blog section or scroll down to the main page and you'll find it there. But I tweet out my graphic for that. They usually tweet it tw- two days after, but I don't know. It, it came after this game, but I posted Caleb Williams was number one. And again, this is the rankings from week six. This is week seven. So we got week seven's rankings coming up this weekend or this week. But someone commented. What was the exact comment that he had? Because it was pretty crazy. Like, hold up, 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 hold up. Where is it at? I got to get to that Instagram page real quick. I'm on my laptop right now. Caleb Williams losing, y'all still put him first with that hand over face emoji. Really? After one game. And that's what I responded with. I was like, these rankings are from the previous week, but also he has one bad game and he's no longer QB1. Every quarterback has a bad game every now and again. Williams is no different, especially when it's against a top 15 defense on the road, no less. Like, I understand he had a bad game. It's probably his worst game of his college career. And he had not great game last week. But let's not act like he's completely falling off the face of the earth. Who the hell are you putting number one? Like, I think I don't think the gap between Drake May and Caleb Williams is that big at all. I, I think it's relatively small, actually. But... I don't want to see or act like Caleb Williams sucks ass now because he had a bad game against a good defense on the road, especially Notre Dame team coming off a loss. Like they're going to be extra motivated going into this game. So no, I'm not. I'm not really going balls off the wall like oh, Caleb Williams now ass. Now I think Caleb Williams sucks at football. No, I hate that we're in this era where that has to be a thing. Like you went one end of the spectrum, the complete opposite end, like that. It hasn't even been 24 hours since that game ended. And we're already talking about Caleb Williams sucks ass and he's no longer this, the best quarterback in the draft. Again, I wouldn't be shocked if Drake May was the first quarterback taken, but I don't want to sit here and act like Caleb Williams is falling off the face of the earth after one game. Dude's numbers, again, are still better than what they were to this point last year. Again, he's got some things that concern me. I don't think he's a perfect prospect like some people throw out there. But come on. Let's not act like he's a complete bum now. Let's stop. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Chill out. But Drake May is very good. Drake May is more in the structure of the play. He's not bounced around. He's very mobile as well. Underrated mobility as well. He's probably got a stronger arm. He's bigger than Caleb Williams. He plays for North Carolina, not USC. Just got Tez Walker back. 
So Drake May, I think, will continue to get better as the season goes on. But I remember a couple weeks ago, people were talking about Drake May not being the second-best quarterback in the draft. They were talking about Shadur being the number two quarterback. I saw it some of the day. Michael Penix was the number one quarterback in the draft. Or number two quarterback in the draft, sorry. So now we can believe flipped on that as well. So it's let's stay consistent here. I think Caleb Williams is still number one. But I don't think Drake May is that far behind. I don't want everybody to act like Caleb Williams is just far away best quarterback in the draft. No, that's not it. He has way better numbers than Drake May. But Drake May, skill-wise, he doesn't do all the bouncing around stuff. He's not as electric as Caleb Williams. But let's not sleep on Drake May. Let's not sleep on Drake May. And I think it'll be interesting come the draft. Because a team like the Bears, I wouldn't be, depending on who they hire as head coach, if Eberflus is still there. If they hire Lincoln Riley, who the hell knows? And then we get Caleb Williams there guaranteed. But I wouldn't be surprised. I know we had our, our completely useless mock draft a couple weeks ago. But... I wouldn't be shocked if May went to the Bears. It all depends on which team gets the first overall pick. That's going to be the interesting part. Like, if the Broncos get Caleb Williams, that'll be interesting. Or they get Drake May. Who knows? Like, we'll have to wait and see. But let's pump the brakes on this dude sucks at football after one game. I know, again, he didn't have the greatest game against Arizona. He's fine. He'll be fine. Probably the number one overall pick. The chances of going first overall are extremely high, and rightfully so. He could, he's going to be a Heisman finalist. I don't know if he's going to win the Heisman anymore, but he's a Heisman finalist at, for the very least. He's not the third best player in the country. He's going to finish second if he doesn't win it again. Michael Penix is probably the front runner at this point in time, probably. Like what? How many touchdowns did he have yesterday? He had four touchdowns yesterday with 300 yards passing against Oregon's defense in a win. I don't know. It's probably Michael Penix is the favorite at this point. So who else would be in the consideration? Penix and Caleb Williams are, I think, the number one and two guys, whatever you want to put them in. Who else would you throw up? I'm forgetting some people, obviously, but... Is there anybody else that's like... Mm... Oh, Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels is definitely up there. From LSU. Not even a convert. Jaden Daniels. Oh, geez, I almost spilled my Pepsi Max. <laughs> the Fox Sports app on Xbox sucks dick. So... Sometimes it'll just randomly close you out. But Jane Dan- I think those are, those are the top three guys. Penix, Williams, and Jane Daniels. Those are my top three guys. And whatever order you want to put them in, because I, I think they all can have cases for it. Jane Daniels is going to have a little tougher one because he lost two games already to Florida State, and then they lost to Ole Miss. But he played. He didn't play great against Florida State. I, I got to check myself. He didn't play great against Florida State. He played great against Ole Miss. But, yeah. Not, well, he put up good numbers against Ole Miss. I think some of the throws he made were not amazing some of the deep balls were a little bit behind but I think Jaden Daniels probably him and Penix probably the two best deep ball throws in college football obviously Drake Mays up there as well but they're they throw a great deep ball Daniels has gotten better as the season goes on but Penix has always thrown a good deep ball especially since he's been at Washington I'm intrigued to see how the rest of the season goes but yeah Washington I've man with how they played Georgia allowed 20 points to Vanderbilt so, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, someone else other than SEC school won a natty this year. Wouldn't be shocked. That Michigan versus Washington game, if that happens, would be an insane game. Absolutely insane. That's why I'm, I'm actually cheering for that game now. Washington versus Michigan. That is, that would be a fun-ass game. Michigan State is going to stay at two probably the entire year, but Washington could get up to three easily. Especially, let's say, hypothetically, Penn State beats Ohio State. Washington this week, uh, Arizona State, but they'll they'll beat the brakes off Arizona State. At least they should. 
And Florida State, who do they play? They play Duke. So Ohio State and Florida State could lose this week. It all depends if Riley Leonard plays for Duke. Duke won this week against NC State. They completed four passes. Because remember, Riley Leonard had the high ankle sprain against Notre Dame. But Henry Bellin, four for 12, 107 yards, two touchdowns. So half his passes were touchdowns. (laughs) So, or half his completions were touchdowns. So if he completed a pass, half the time he was scoring a touchdown. But they need Riley Leonard in that offense. They need him. That's why I'm always high on Riley Leonard. I know he hasn't put up like the most insane numbers, but Riley Leonard is working with by far the least amount out of any of these other quarterbacks. Like defensively, Duke's very good. But I'm talking about strictly on the opposite side of the ball. They have a solid running game. But comparatively to the other top guys like Caleb Williams or uh, Michael Penix is the best receiving core in college football by far. It's not even close, really. And you look at the likes of Caleb Williams playing with Lincoln Riley. You got that Drake May could throw up there as well because he's not working with a whole lot at North Carolina. Then uh, Shadur, obviously we got him at Colorado. The O-line sucks ass, so he's another one up there. But he's got a very talented group of receivers. But, hey, I think Riley Leonard, he's got the skill set. It's just a matter of if he gets the right situation. That's that's the thing. If he gets the right coaching, he's very new to the quarterback position. Very, very new. Very new. But, yeah. I want to touch on this, too, before we close out today, because we're talking about the draft slightly. I want to talk about a little bit about Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud. I need people to chill out on Bryce Young here. <laughs> I need I need people to calm down on Bryce Young. We're already talking about we are six games into the season. Five games last week. We were five games last week, and people were talking about how much of a terrible – not even five weeks. We were probably like four or three weeks in of people already talking about the Bears get the number one pick, DJ Moore, and all these other things. The Panthers get Bryce Young. Pff, idiots. Like, come on. It's been five, six games. Bryce Young has played five games. He was hurt for one of these games, so he didn't play. So we're talking about Bryce Young being ass. C.J. Stroud's playing great. I do not want to take anything away from C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud's probably the rookie of the year at this point. But let's calm down and call him Bryce Young ass, okay? Let's chill the hell out here. <laughs> like, I, I like Jonathan Mingo. I like him. I understand why they draft him. He's got a high ceiling. He's very raw, though. But going to the draft, if you would have asked me if I would, would, would I have rather had Jonathan Mingo or Tank Dell, you can look at my draft rankings. I would have rather had Tank Dell by a, quite a wide margin as well. I understand, Again, I understand why they like Jonathan Mingo, but Tank Dell, to me, especially what he did at Houston, he was the better receiver. And you can, again, you don't believe me, you can go look back at my draft rankings from the 2020, last year's draft. Tank Dell was my number seven wide receiver. So it's not our number six, six or seven wide receiver. So we were high on Tank Dell going into the draft, and C.J. Stroud's got him. And Adam Thielen's 100 years old. Adam Thielen still put up 115 yards today. 13 13 targets, 11 catches, 115 yards and a touchdown. Miles Sanders at running back, like he had that good year for Philly last year, but not really sustainable. He has never been that kind of guy. He was the second running option there, ridiculously, for him putting up 1,200 yards. He's still the number two rush (laughs) rush option. They were more content with him running the ball in the read option than Jalen Hurts. <laughs> oh my God. I'm looking at the NFL scoreboard right now. Like, we saw the Panthers. They just lost to the Dolphins. They were at 14 0. Dolphins ended up winning 42 21. Not surprising at all. Raheem Mostert, two touchdowns a game, 115 yards rushing. Devin Achan is out for a while. Not great. Justin Jefferson's out for a while. Not great. Matt Malone's out for a while. Not great. Daquan Jones is out for a while. Not great. I, I'm cautious about this, but I'm intrigued to see what Bill's star player gets hurt tonight. 
I'm very intrigued because it seems to happen every week. They got Trey White two weeks ago. Got Matt Milano and Daquan Jones this year, or this past week against the Jaguars. You're getting Von Miller back, though, which is great, but I wonder what his pitch count will be tonight. They shouldn't really have any issues against the Giants again. You guys will know what will happen. I'm not going to do my Bills rant about the Jaguars game. That's It's been over a week, so I'm not really too fussed about that now. But Tyrod Taylor's making his return to Buffalo. He started tonight. But, I mean, you guys obviously know this because the show's coming out on Monday, but Tyrod Taylor started tonight. I'm very excited to see Tyrod Taylor play again. I love Tyrod Taylor. I have nothing against Tyrod Taylor. He's not a franchise guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I love Tyrod Taylor. I have a Tyrod Taylor jersey. I don't know if I'm going to wear it tonight because the Bills threw me off wearing their freaking color rush jersey today. But we'll see. The Bills are 15 and a half point favorites. There is zero reason the Bills shouldn't drop like 35 points in this game to three. It should be like 35-3 if we're being honest. And that's going to be hilarious when this comes back to not they don't win 35-3 and they end up actually losing. This is insane that this could happen. But you know what? This NFL season, anything can happen. That's what I've kind of figured out this year. Anything. Like the the 49ers. They lost to the Browns today. They were guaranteed to go undefeated last week. Like, I literally sat here. I was like, I don't know who they lose to. I really don't know who they lose to. And they lose to the Browns. So, like, anything can happen this year. The Jaguars got absolutely pumped by the Texans. So, anything can happen. But, like, right now, the Patriots are losing the Raiders. Fine. I'm cool with that. The, it's basically the Patriots playing the Patriots, which Patriots team's worse, Patriots of the Raiders. I'm intrigued to see how bad. I saw someone say the Spurs getting Wemby, Victor Wambanyama had a great game. Wait, was David Montgomery going to the locker room? Well, that's not ideal. What the hell is that? I didn't see that. Jameer Gibbs is out, and David Montgomery goes to the locker room. That is fan-frickin-tastic. So I got, I got David Montgomery in fantasy. I don't know if I said that on the show. I got a sick-ass trade. <laughs> But the Spurs getting Wemby, who played great the other night, it would be like the Patriots getting Caleb Williams. So, hey, it could happen. The Patriots are freaking ass. So, it could happen. We got the Cardinals and Rams at 6-9, LOL, at the half. And the Rams are losing. So, that's kind of funny. And then we got the Eagles, Jets, obviously 14-9. And the Lions is 10-3 at halftime as well. Early games, we had the Ravens winning, beating the Titans 24-16 in the final London game of the year. Commanders beat the Falcons again. Desmond Ritter, three interceptions. Not good. Uh, but Kyle Pitts is his first touchdown of the year. 24-16 uh, to 16 loss there. Vikings beat the Bears in Tyson Bajan's debut. 19-13. Uh, Justin Fields got hurt through an interception. Bajan did because they basically lose the game. Fluttered the ball into Byron Murphy's chest. Uh, Bengals beat the Seahawks now 3-3 three three on the season. 17-13. Browns again beat the 49ers. Dolphins beat the Panthers 42-21. Jaguars beat the Colts 37-20 with Travis Etienne scoring two touchdowns in 16 seconds. And then the Texans beat the Saints 20-13. to Then we got the Chiefs beating the Broncos. The Broncos, last time they beat the Chiefs. Do I still have the screenshot? I don't think I do. I found the trophy of the chili. <laughs> Where is that graphic? Do I, I don't think I'm... I must not have it anymore. I'm not going to spend too much time. Oh, there it is. I think this is it. Yeah, things that didn't exist the last time the Broncos won a game against the Chiefs. Disney Plus, Fortnite, Game of Thrones Season 6, Hello by Adele, the iPhone 7 and AirPods, Star Wars Sequel Trilogy, Stranger Things, TikTok, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, and White Claw Hard Seltzer. None of those things existed the last time the Chiefs lost the Broncos. That's pretty funny. That is pretty freaking hilarious. I'm not going to lie. That is pretty awesome. And I, I do not like the Broncos. I don't like the Chiefs either, but hey, that's funny. That's funny. So... Yeah, I think that's all I've got for you today. Do I have anything else that I'm really pressing right now? Oh, Greg Berhalter sucks, but we already knew that. So, yeah, lost to Germany 3-1 after Pulisic scored an absolute screamer. Second half adjustments were non-existent as per usual with Greg Berhalter teams. So, you know what? 
I can't wait for this generation to get wasted. So we'll we'll see how the World Cup comes up in a couple years. But yeah, I think that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed. If not, I sincerely apologize. We talked about a lot about Brock Purdy today, but you know, I, with the he's been a major talking point for sports media, so I feel like it was necessary. And we didn't bash him. I'll never bash Brock Purdy. I'll never bash Brock Purdy. I'll try to be as objectively honest about Brock Purdy as possible, but I'll never bash him. And, uh, yeah, that's all I've got. Again, if you enjoyed, I hope you did. If you didn't, I sincerely apologize. It's probably better next time again. Make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Check out the blog post on the LoganBlackmanShow.com at our blog page. Or you can scroll down to the main page and click the latest link on there as well. Our Week 6 Quarterback Prospect Rankings. Uh, let's read out the top 10 real quick. Just real quick. We'll give you the quick notes version. It's from last week, so it doesn't matter anymore. It's, de- it's delayed, but... It was Caleb Williams, Drake May, Shadur Sanders, Riley Leonard, Michael Penix, J.J. McCarthy moved up one spot to six, Quinn Ewers fell to seven, Jane Daniels moved up to eight, Bo Nix, and then Cameron Ward, who we'll see if he's in the top ten this week. We'll see. Got an absolute ass kick against Arizona this weekend. But that's all I've got. See you guys later. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the week. Peace.